0: ثانية على حب الحسني والحسين اللهم صلى الله عليه وسلم. على حب فاطمة الزهراء الثالثة بأعلى اعلى اصواتكم صلى الله عليه وسلم. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان اللعين الرجيم بسم الله الله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على خاتم الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين صلى الله عليه وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين صلى الله عليك يا رسول الله صلى الله عليك يا سيدي ويا مولاي يا أبا عبد الله يا رحمة الله الواسعة ويا باب نجاة الأمة ويا عبرة كل مؤمن ومؤمنة يا ليتنا فيا ليتنا كنا معكم سيدي من فوز والله فوزا عظيما. في كتابه الكريم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم: الرجال على بِمَا فَضَّلَ اللَّهُ بَعْضَهُمْ عَلَىٰ بَعْضُ وَبِمَا أَنْفَقُوا مِنْ أَمْوَالِهِمْ صَدَقَ اللَّهُ الْعَلِيُّ الْعَظِيمُ صَلُّ عَلَىٰ مُحَمَّدٍ وَآلِي مُحَمَّدٍ Respected elders, brothers and sisters, السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته The term masculinity, in its modern usage, is almost always used in a negative sense. Usually when the word masculinity is used, it is often coupled with the word toxic. And this, in and of itself, is problematic. Because in essence, masculinity is actually something that should be nurtured. The qualities and the attributes and the behaviors that are often referred to as toxic masculinity are not even masculinity at all. It's the equivalent of saying Muslim terrorist. If he's a terrorist, he's not a real Muslim. If a person exhibits qualities that are damaging, that are destructive, if a person is exploitative, they shouldn't be referred to as masculine. And therefore, tonight, brothers and sisters, I'd like to examine a very important topic, and that is the concept of masculinity from an Islamic perspective. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And it's unfortunate that we live in a time where basic biology is up for debate. Now you can imagine how difficult it is to live in a world where we can't even define what a man is and what a woman is, let alone talk about what healthy masculinity is. What real masculinity is? What femininity is? If we don't understand these fundamental questions, we're not going to be able to build and establish healthy families. The Holy Prophet Muhammad ala muhammad مُحَمَّدُ ali مُحَمَّدُ He says, There is no institution in Islam that is more beloved to Allah than the institution of marriage. Why? Because through the institution of marriage, when a man and a woman come together, and that's even controversial to say, but this is what Islam teaches when a man and a woman come together, The reason why that is sacred is because that is the beginning of establishing a family. And if you want to establish a strong, a healthy family, you have to know what Allah expects of you as a man. You have to know what Allah expects of you as a woman. My dear brothers and sisters, there are studies that have been done on the masculinity crisis. For decades, testosterone levels have continued to decline. Our grandparents, our grandfathers at our age, they had more testosterone in, our bo- in their bodies than we do today. And this is because of exposure to pollutants, Diet, lifestyle, all of these things have an impact. Psychologists and sociologists sociologists have sounded the alarm on this crisis. They've spoken about the crisis of masculinity. In fact, there was a book that was published in 2007 by Dr. Leonard Sachs. And the title of his book is... He says that the, the title of the book is Boys Adrift. Five factors that are driving the epidemic of the epidemic of boys who are unmotivated and underachieving men. In 2018, there was a book published by sociologists titled The coddling of the American mind, how good intentions and bad ideas are setting the next generation up for failure. I think of myself as a father. I worry about the prospects for my own daughter. Many sisters approach me, my family, others who are interested in marriage and I have to be honest, my respected brothers it's difficult to point at someone and to say that this person is a real man in the Islamic sense of the word. There is a masculinity crisis and sociologists speak about the societal factors that have contributed to this. In the West, you find that, especially in divorce, custody laws, generally speaking, tend to favor mothers. And when this happens, oftentimes you have absentee fathers, or you have fathers who don't have enough access to their sons. So what happens? So you have a society that has confused people about gender, a society that has not provided guidance on what it means to be a real man, what it means to be a woman. And naturally, there's going to be conflict in a marriage. Because it's not clear what my role is, and it's not clear what your role is. So then you have conflict. And then you have divorce. And in secular societies, and I've seen it time and time again. I've met brothers. Who've lost custody of their children, full custody, lost. So, what happens is that you have children who, from the time they're born, they're institutionalized. Single mothers, they have to work. So they're sent to daycare. Daycare is you're gonna the the, the caretakers in most daycares are women, they go to school. Most teachers are women. So they grow up their entire lives without any positive male role models. This is a fact. And they don't know what it means to be a man. And then you have, as the years go by, sisters who are interested in marriage. They can't find suitable spouses. and this is a big problem my dear brothers and sisters and by the way the masculinity crisis it's really bad today but even Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi, he also spoke about this issue he spoke about this issue when after the battle of Siffin, we know how that battle ended Muawiyah continued his aggression sending his army to different villages throughout Iraq and Muawiyah's army in one particular city they ransacked the city and they ended up looting jewelry from Muslim women and non-Muslim women when Amir al muminin received word that these cities are being ransacked by Muawiyah and the Syrian forces, Amir al muminin wanted to round up his soldiers again. Some of them didn't want to go and fight. Because Sufeen was a long battle and they're thinking to themselves that we got to go through this again. And many of them refused. Women, children, are being exploited. They don't want to go fight. And they start whining and complaining. Oh Ali, it's too hot. Let's wait until the weather gets a little bit better. Oh Ali, it's too cold today. Let's wait until it gets a little bit warmer. Excuses. Not rising to the occasion. Not embracing responsibility. So, what does the Imam say to them? He says, "Ya ashbah al-rijal, wala rijal." He says, "You, you look like men, but you're not real men. Because men, they have responsibility. That's what it means to be a man: to strive for excellence, to embrace responsibility." let's be honest brothers and sisters there is a lot of immaturity among young men today men who should be thinking about marriage and how they're going to provide for families instead many of them are playing video games all day we laugh but this is serious it's really embarrassing when sisters come to me and they say Sheikh, do you recommend anyone for marriage do you know anybody and I think to myself that the pool of options is very small. It shouldn't be that way, my dear brothers. So this crisis of masculinity has been responded to, but it's created two extremes. The masculinity crisis has resulted in what? Two extremes. You have one extreme, which is often associated with right-wing people, the brute the womanizer, the tough guy, the macho guy. And then you have the other extreme, the emasculated man. Two extremes. You have one who is considered to be masculine by certain societies because he's always in charge, dominant, my way or the highway mentality. And then you have the other extreme, emasculated, total doormat. Every iota of masculinity has been eroded from his being. Because he was taught that what? Masculinity is toxic. So he, he became what Rasulullah describes as a dayyouth. youth is an emasculated man. They're both bad. They're both negative. So we have a social ill now, brothers and sisters, the masculinity crisis. And it's not going to fix itself. It requires action. The Prophet says, da'in dawa'. For every ill, for every ailment, there is a medicine. There's a solution to every problem. One of the solutions that we need to put forward, my dear brothers and sisters, is that we actually need to design programs that initiate boys into manhood. We need to have special retreats where these young boys have positive male role models, where they're taken away from their overprotective parents and they learn how to cook. Yes, you should learn how to cook. That's what it means to be an adult. You shouldn't be that dependent on another human being. Learn how to cook. Especially if, you know, your wife gets sick and she can't cook. Oh, that's going to be a huge disaster for you. You can do something nice like cook for her every once in a while, right? Learn how to cook. Learn how to do your own laundry. Some of our boys are so coddled that they don't know how to function in the real world. They need to go to these camps, camps that are tailored to nurture that healthy masculinity. They need to learn conflict management. They need to play competitive sports. Mommy can't solve all your problems. You need to learn how to deal with conflict. You need to get roughed up a little bit, for lack of a better word, because we have a generation of softies. This needs to change. You need to put down the gadgets, the iPads, the iPhones, and learn archery, learn how to swim, learn a martial art, learn self-defense, build that confidence. It's good for you, and it's good for your future family. Because if we don't address this problem, emasculated men will marry women, who will divorce them because no woman likes an emasculated man and then the cycle continues the cycle needs to be broken now before we speak about what it means to be a man from an Islamic perspective we need to address some of the myths that are associated with masculinity i'll share a few of them with you my dear brothers and sisters Number one, the first myth about masculinity is that a real man is a man of great physical stature. When you think of a real man, you might conjure images of tall guy, broad shoulders. He can bench 250 pounds. That's a real man, but Islamically, is that, is that an important factor in measuring the masculinity of a person? It's not. Because we have examples of people who might not fit that standard, but they were the most masculine. And we're talking about things that are not even in your hands. Your height, your bone structure is not in your hands. It's a type of rizq. If you're six foot three, you're lucky. Alhamdulillah. That's a gift from Allah. You should thank Allah Azza wa for that. And if you're a short guy, you're closer to the ground. You can do sujood easier. So you can always look at it positively. The point is that these are things that are not in your hand. We have examples of men who were not tall, who did not have the most impressive physique, but they were men. Many of us, we know the story of Daud, David, Prophet David, the one... Who defeated who? He defeated Goliath. Historical accounts, narrations tell us that Dawood was short. He was short. He wasn't a man of impressive physique. So this is not something that has real value in Islam. Number two, sometimes we measure the worth of a man by his earning power that a real man makes at least six figures, a real man is wealthy and if you're not, you're not a real man because a real man has financial power in our theology, my dear brothers and sisters, rizq is in Allah's hands but what a man must do is that you should strive, don't be lazy work rizq is in Allah's hands, sustenance is determined by Him, but you have control over effort, how much you should strive. There are examples of some men who work tirelessly, they're smart, they have all the skills, but they're not wealthy. And then someone might work and they have a relative that passes away and they inherit and they're wealthy overnight. These matters are in the hands of Allah Azza wa Jal. We shouldn't attach too much importance to these factors that are not under our control. That's number two. Number three, the third myth is what? A real man is an alpha male. Alpha. You always have to be in charge. Dominant. You see the world through the lens of power dynamics. I have to be front and center. I have to lead, and if you're not leading, if you're not dominant, then you're not a real man. That's not true. If that's your definition of a real man, how do you explain the relationship between Musa and Harun? How do you explain the relationship between Imam al Hussein and Abu fadl al-Abbas? Sometimes you let others lead. With Musa السلام, he recognized that my brother has Is better at something than I am. When it's time to speak, I'll let him lead. A real man is not foolish to think that I always have to be in charge. A real man understands that you need wisdom. You have to know when to step in and when to pull back. You have to know when to lead and when to let others lead. Number four, for those who are counting, a real man is a warrior, warrior complex. Now, obviously, it is advantageous to be physically strong. I'm not going to pretend like that's a disadvantage. I highly, highly encourage my young brothers, if you don't exercise, to exercise, to work out. It's good for your confidence. And it will be very important when you have a family, because you're going to have the responsibility of protecting. And there might be a situation where you actually have to defend yourself. And don't make excuses. Oh, Sheikh, I don't have time. I can't afford the gym membership. Do you have a floor where you live? Because if you do, you can do push-ups and sit-ups. And maybe go outside and find a bar and do some pull-ups. That's important. But we have to remember, brothers and sisters, that there are some men who are not built for war. And that's okay. That doesn't diminish your masculinity. There are some men that have other strengths. If you look at the Sahaba of the Prophet, some of them were warriors. They're the guys that you put on the front lines. Ali, Hamza, warriors. But then you have other individuals who have other skill sets. They might be better at military strategy. So not being a warrior in the full sense of the word doesn't necessarily diminish your masculinity. Everybody has... is the brother okay? Sallu ala Muhammad wa Muhammad. You could do the push-ups after I finish, you don't need to start now. The next misconception is, and this was a common misconception especially in the pre-Islamic era, that a real man has a lineage of boys. You're not a real man unless you have boys. And obviously this is something that's silly. It's out of our hands. The Prophet his progeny goes through who? It goes through Fatima. It was Zahra Another myth is that A man, a real man should never show emotion. Don't show emotion. Be emotionless. Because we associate emotion with femininity. A real man should never shed a tear. Are you crying? No bro, I'm just cutting an onion. The Prophet ﷺ, he debunked this. He challenged these false notions when he buried his son, Ibrahim, the Prophet cried. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi he cried when he held Imam al And it's amazing the things that we think are not masculine, the Prophet demonstrates that it's part of being a real man. To be in tune with your emotions. And the things that we associate with masculinity, being angry, lashing out, the Prophet when he was passing by a group of youth who were lifting boulders they said Ya Rasulullah can you be the judge and judge who is the strongest among us? the Prophet says the strongest among you is the one who can restrain his anger the Prophet redefines masculinity another misconception another myth about masculinity is that a real man has been around the block a real man is promiscuous a real man has a lot of girls a real man sleeps around you look at some of the the people that our brothers some of our brothers look up to these are the things that they admire in them that they have a lot of girlfriends that that's what it means to be a man but look at the example that Allah gives us of Yusuf Yusuf alayhis salam is a real man And he had the opportunity to commit haram, to engage in an unlawful relationship. And the only fear that people have when they commit adultery, when they fornicate, is the fear of getting caught. Zuleikha, she locked all the doors. She ensured that no one is going to know. But he restrained himself. Because that's what a real man does. A real man has self-control. A man who has power over his emotions and his desires is a very powerful man. That is what is to be respected. Now, there are some, unfortunately, who think that a real man is someone who puts his woman in her place, who is violent, God forbid, who is aggressive, with the woman folk of his family. And sometimes, their masculinity makes it feel to them that it's okay to strike a woman. And this is where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi says, ala wa Ali Muhammad." He says, The Prophet says, I'm amazed. I'm shocked at the one Who puts his hand on his wife? (laughs) Because, in my opinion, he's more deserving of being struck. So, these are the things that don't define a man. So, the question now remains what does it mean to be a man in the Islamic tradition? What is manhood? What is masculinity? There are four things that I want to share, my dear brothers and sisters. And they're all essentially related, at least two of them, are related to the verse that I began with. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الرجال قوامون على النساء That men are قوامون على النساء Look at the word that Allah uses, قوام. It's a derivative of one of his names. You know in ayatul kursi, Allahu la ilaha illa al-hayyul qayyum It's the same word. Meaning that a real man has this quality of qawwamiyyah in relation to the women folk, Especially in the context of marriage. And these verses are speaking about marriage according to many of our scholars. So what does it mean to be wam? Two main things. Especially when you get married. And you're a husband. And you're a father. Awam means that your primary responsibility is that you are the provider. And you are the protector. Providing and protecting and this is much more than just financial maintenance. Some of us think that that's all it is. I put a roof over her head. I I give her money. That's not enough. That's the base. That's the bare minimum. What is needed is much deeper than that. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He describes Himself as qayyum, does He only give us food? He gives us also what? Our other. He takes care of our other needs. Our emotional needs. Our spiritual needs. So you are the provider and the protector. Now when you get married, and this is very important for those who are married and for those who are interested in getting married. When you get married, there are certain types of leadership that your wife wants to see from you, and this is from her fitrah. There are certain types of leadership that you have to demonstrate as a real man, as a husband, as a father, that's beyond just the financial maintenance. What is it? Number one, you have to demonstrate loving leadership. You're the head of the tribe. The family is your tribe. You're the head of the tribe. You have to demonstrate loving leadership. Don't think that my family knows that I love them because I pay the bills. It's not enough. Your wife needs much more than your credit card or the debit card or the money. They need more than that. They have emotional needs. You have to reaffirm your love for them. You have to be affectionate. You know why is it that you're laughing and joking with your boys but when you come home all your wife gets is Faraon. Your boys get the best of you and your wife gets the worst of you. Something to think about. To be loving. This is leadership. To understand that they have needs beyond financial maintenance. And this is why the Prophet emphasized the importance of affection, tenderness. The Prophet says, What does he say? <laughs> the Prophet says, A man is rewarded by Allah for putting food in the mouth of his wife as a romantic gesture. Allah rewards you for that. Because you're fulfilling your duty as the man. You're making them feel loved and cared for. So that's number one. Loving leadership. Number two, decisive leadership. I know the sisters will all agree with me on this one. There is nothing more unattractive about a man than a man who is indecisive. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that you make all the decisions. It doesn't mean that you're a tyrant, my way or the highway. No, that's not what it means. In every relationship, there needs to be communication. There needs to be collaboration. You should consult. The Prophet ﷺ on occasions, he would consult with his own wives. When some of the Muslims were upset about the treaty of Hudaybiyyah and they were refusing to listen, the Prophet sought the counsel of Umm Salama. Umm Salama says, Ya Rasulullah, just leave. Don't debate with them turn around, come back to Medina. And he took her advice. But as the head of the tribe, my respected brothers, you have to have the wisdom to know when to step in and step up. Don't throw the burden of decision-making on your wife. Don't constantly burden them with making big decisions. Let the buck stop with you. Consult. But ultimately, when it comes to those critical decisions that are going to affect you and the future of your family, you got to be decisive. And they might not like you in the moment, but they will respect that you made a decision, that you consulted and you made a decision. And if you, if you think that there's no need for decisive leadership, Next time you're home, ask your wife, what, what do you guys want to eat? The next type of leadership that's needed is what? Servant leadership. Being qayyum means what? Awam. Is that you have a servant leader mentality. As the head of the tribe, you have to know and be very attuned to the needs of every member of your family. You have a son, what does your son need from you? What does your daughter need from you? What does your wife need from you? Not to live in another world. Don't get so engrossed in your work that you are completely oblivious of what's happening in your household. Sometimes as a man, you have to put the needs of others ahead of yourself. You have to be selfless. There's a beautiful hadith from the Prophet ﷺ where he says, mu'min shahwati ahli. The Prophet gives the example of food. He says, a mu'min eats based on the desire of his family. Meaning that your family, they want to eat a particular type of food. And let's say that you're you'd rather have another type of food. They want pizza, you want sushi. The Prophet says, a mu'min will give preference to what the family wants. A munafiq will force the family to eat what he wants. The Prophet says, a munafiq. This means that you have to have the servant-leader mentality. As a leader, as the head of the household... Sometimes you have to step in. If your wife is tired, take the burden off of her shoulders. Help. Don't wait for her to ask. Don't wait for her to have a nervous breakdown for you to step in. Be attuned. Have pay attention to detail. And then finally, when Allah says, it means that you, as the man, as the husband, as the father, you have to protect. And not just protect from physical danger. You have to demonstrate moral and spiritual leadership. And in order for you to do that, you have to know what is halal and what is haram. How can you protect your family from spiritual harm if you don't even know your deen, if you don't know your religious tradition? You as the father, as the husband, be the one to encourage jama' prayer at home. Be the one to encourage your family to attend majalis, to recite du'a together. Take their spiritual spiritual well-being very seriously. So this is what it means, ar-rijalu nisa' That loving leadership, that decisive leadership, servant leader, and moral and spiritual leadership. And then, Finally, and we'll conclude with this, is that the Prophet وآله, he used to rebuke men who would dress and behave like women. The Prophet ﷺ, in a hadith, he says, كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهُ يُزْجِرُ الرَّجُلُ He would rebuke any man for appearing or doing anything that is culturally associated with women. This is very important. Islam wants there to be a clear separation between the genders. And look, subhanAllah, when you abandon divine values, what happens? You have mass gender confusion. The Prophet sallallahu he highlighted this, that men should behave like men, they should dress like men. If there is a specific culture where in that culture there are certain clothes, certain accessories, certain behaviors that are associated with women and femininity, the Prophet says, don't engage in that behavior. There needs to be a very clear distinction. And this is where we come to Imam al-Husayn who demonstrated loving leadership. He demonstrated decisive leadership. Imam al Hussein was a servant leader, attuned to the needs of his family, his extended family. And above all, Abu Abdullah al Hussein was the moral leader, the spiritual leader. The narrations tell us, my dear brothers and sisters, that after the death of Muawiyah, Yazid, he rose to power. And he sent word to all of the governors throughout the Islamic empire to get the allegiance from the people. In Medina, he sends a message to Waleed ibn Utbah saying to him, I want you to immediately secure the bay'ah from Imam al Hussein. Don't give him without delay. Imam al Hussein alayhi salam is summoned by Walid, Marwan ibn al Hakam. They try to pressure Imam al Hussein to give his hand in allegiance. The Imam alayhi salam he refuses. He says, A man like me will never pay allegiance to a man like him. Many of the women, many of the companions of Imam al Hussein. They were saying to the imam, oh imam, don't put yourself in danger. But Abi Abdullah, decisive leader. A firm no. The traditions tell us, there's a beautiful narration from Imam Zainul Abideen where he says, when Imam Hussain salam refused the bay'ah, and he recognized that his life would be in danger and that imam al-husayn alayhi salam would have to leave medina the city that he grew up in the city that is full of memories of his grandfather you can imagine how heavy the heart of imam al-husayn w- was when he realized that he had to leave imam al-husayn alayhi salam, imam zain al-abidin he says my father went to the grave of his grandfather. One night he went and he saw that there was light. And this narration is mentioned by Shaykh al-Saduq in his Amali. He says he went to the grave of Imam al Hussein. He went to the grave of his grandfather. Imam al Hussein saw light emanating from the grave of the Prophet. He went home. The next night he returned to bid farewell to Rasulullah. He stood beside the grave of the Prophet and he was praying. He went down into sujood, Imam As-Sajjad says, my father, when he was in sujood, he went into a light sleep. He dozed off in sleep. The narration says, <laughs> When Imam al-Husayn was in sujood, when he fell asleep in sajda, he saw a dream, his grandfather Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he came to him in his dream, faakhad al-Husayn Rasulullah in the dream, he hugged Imam al hussein He embraced his beloved Hussein وَجَعَلَ يُقَبِّلُ بَيْنَ عَيْنَيْهِ Rasulullah began kissing the forehead of Imam al hussein And Rasulullah says to him, Ya Hussein, can me araka Murammalan bidamik Oh, Hussein, I can see you very soon covered in blood. Baina isabata minhadi. you will be covered covered in blood. blood And you will be be surrounded surrounded by a bunch of thugs thugs from this this ummah. And then Rasulullah says, and those same people that shed your blood, 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 they will seek my shafa'at. But Allah Azza wa Jal will not grant them his shavah. And then he says, Ya Bune, oh my beloved Hussein, Inna ka qadimun Ala abik wa umika wa akhik Wa hum ila Ya Aba Abdullah, soon you will come to us, soon you will join us. And I want to tell you, Ya Aba Abdullah, that your father Ali, that your mother Fatima and your brother Hassan, they are all yearning to see you. The narration, the narration says, says Imam al Hussein alayhis salam alayhi's at, that moment, at that moment, he says, Ya Jadda, Jadda, leave me leave here with you. With I don't you. want, I don't to, want go to go back, back to the dunya. The dunya. Ya, ya Rasulullah, keep Rasool me here me, with you. I don't want to go back to the dunya. Rasulullah says, Ya Aba Abdullah. In paradise, you are attaining levels that you will not reach until you taste martyrdom la haula. la للمتقين. صلوا على محمد وآل محمد